Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's a brand new website causing a lot of trouble for people with something to hide. Have you ever had a bad feeling about somebody? Suspect that a partner of cheating? Worried about your online reputation? If you answer yes to any of those questions, you may need Truthfinder. Truthfinder may reveal court records, bankruptcies, contact information, social, dating profiles, assets, and a lot more. You get it all in one easy-to-read report. Why fork out thousands of dollars to a private eye when you can do the job yourself? Go to truthfinder.com slash nancy and enter any name to get started. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. A five-year-old little boy goes missing and... Seemingly, everyone goes about their business. Why? It seems as if your world would stop, but not necessarily true. Right now, the stunning and shocking details in the disappearance of five-year-old Lucas Hernandez. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. Take a listen to this. We're here, uh, sadly, today to talk about 
a case really that has captured the, the hearts of our community and a uh, very sad case that has been pulling at um, our heartstrings since February. That is uh, the uh, missing boy, Lucas Hernandez. Also, as some of you know, uh, Lucas's stepmother, Emily Glass, uh, booked into the Sedgwick County Jail for felony obstruction of justice. The body that was discovered in Harvey County was found under a bridge in a culvert area uh, near 96th Street and Woodlawn, just outside of uh, Sedgwick County into Harvey County. And it, we discovered that uh, Emily Glass had actually taken a private investigator to that site. The private investigator had been hired by uh, Lucas's family. When the body was found, the investigator called the uh, Wichita Police Department to report the discovery, and we responded along with Harvey County authorities. And when we arrived, we found the private investigator and Emily Glass at the scene. We interviewed the private investigator and got information that uh, was assisting us in our case. We discovered that he had arrived earlier this week uh, in Wichita, and uh, he told us that Emily Glass had led him to the body. The private investigator uh, is, is named David Marsh Byrne of uh, North Carolina. And joining me right now, that private investigator, the PI, who discovered five-year-old Lucas's remains, along with his stepmother, Emily Glass. Joining me right now, David Marshburn. David, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. David, I've got so many questions for you about where's your practice? How did you get into the practice? How long have you been in the practice? But first, I want to start with the discovery of Lucas Hernandez. Okay. How did you get connected to Emily Glass to start with. That's Lucas's stepmother, the last person we know of to see him alive. Before I went up there, I pretty much had it in my head how I was going to do it, how I was going to solve it, who did it, the whole nine yards. But like I told daddy, uh, Jonathan Hernandez, I said, you're my suspect and she's my suspect. There's no other person. He told me his his life was an open book, and I asked him, you know, what did he think the trial was going to happen with her on trial? Was she going to be not guilty? What what was what was the favorability of that? And he said that he feels like she'll be not guilty. And I told him, I said, either way, when I come up there, I can interview her in the jail, but it's going to be harder, or I can interview her when she's out. Luckily. She was out, and um, I, I decided to go up there. And after talking to Mr. Hernandez for about 30, 40 minutes, I knew right then he had nothing to do with it. He he might have known about abuse and stuff or had questions, questionable doubt and all, but he never showed that to me. So my next thing was I wanted Emily Glass. I wanted to see her, and I had to physically see her in person to see her body language and how she reacted. 
David Marshburn, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've said that so many times when investigating a trial that I would be trying. I need to talk to them in person. That's so important. Let me ask you a question. When you first spoke to Lucas Hernandez's dad, his biological father, who was out of town like two or three weeks at a time working with an oil company when Lucas went missing, how did you know after speaking with him that he was not involved in Lucas's disappearance? It was his demeanor. <clears throat> he would look at me when I talked to him. He would answer questions right away. He wouldn't double ask. Like I'd ask the question, he'd repeat it back to me to give him time to think about responding. That was one big issue. And also, he never crossed his arms. He never kept his legs tight together like he was holding on to something. His body language told, basically, I'm open. I'm not trying to guard anything. And his exact words were, if you, I'm sticking by her, but if you find otherwise, I'm done. You know? So when you first saw her, what happened? When I first went up to her, I used one of my, I used this technique when I sold cars. And I turned it into a investigation tool instead. What I did, I used step three first because I didn't have much time. I was out of state, 20 miles, what, 20 hours away. And basically, I went at her as, I know you did it. I'm here. I can help you. What can I do for you? Because most of the time when somebody commits a crime, it's not about what they did and, and in her case, what she did to Lucas or anything. What was her demeanor? Um, cold and callous. Man, I was not expecting that. Hold on just a moment. Let me just, let me just take that in for a minute. Uh, with me, in addition to now renowned private investigator David Marshburn, who actually leads police to missing five-year-old Lucas. Kim Martin with Missing Pieces Network, who has been on the Lucas disappearance from the beginning. Ashley Wilcott, juvenile judge and lawyer, founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com. And Vincent Hill, private investigator, crime online reporter, Lee Egan. Ashley, I I didn't really know what to expect when I asked him, uh, David Marshburn, the question, what was Emily Glass's stepmother's demeanor? But I didn't really think that was going to be his answer, cold, just cold. Isn't that something? So this says a lot about where she is timing-wise, too, right? So if someone commits a crime or has done something that they shouldn't have or hurt a child, often initially defensive, defensive, defensive. I didn't do anything, and they're not cold, and everything's fine. And then as time goes on and the remorse and the guilt and all of those things start to eat inside them, you can see their demeanor change. But I will tell you this, Nancy, in my experience, that demeanor, speaks volumes about her involvement in this. David Marshburn, go ahead. So you sit down with her and you say she's just cold. You said she was out, uh, not behind bars at that time. Where did y'all meet? And when you say she was cold, what do you mean by that exactly? So I can get it in my mind. We met her at her aunt's house. And when I first approached her, she, I reached out my hand to shake her hand, but she wanted to hug me. Right there, but no smile, no nothing. She wanted to just hug me. And I and I felt like 
that was to say, thank you, you're going to help me get out of trouble. It wasn't anything else because that's the way I set it up before I even come up there. I told her I wanted to sit down and talk with her. So she kept her sunglasses on, kept her arms crossed, didn't say anything but short answers, and um, basically no emotion, not one time. I was accusing her, and at first she shook her head no, but never said no. Then she, um, I had to revert back to step one, two, and three. I know it doesn't make sense to you guys, but I can explain off the air how I did that. But I had to go back to step one, two, and three, and then the next three hours after that, still arms crossed, not saying nothing, not looking me in the eye, keeping her sunglasses on, not crying. But when she acts like she's crying, there's no tears. And when I tell her in seven months they can issue a death certificate and they're coming for you, that's the only time she showed emotion only time wow wow kim martin with missing pieces network are you surprised it's honestly staggering to hear him say this um i can't say that i'm very surprised because i've heard other people say that in different situations she's very unemotional about the whole thing you know not like a parent of a missing child or a step parent of a missing child would usually act but to this extent, that is surprising to me. So what happened then, David Marshburn? Well, by the time our conversation was ended, I had enough to be able to go to law enforcement, and they they would have had enough to pressure her enough and lock her up for the disappearance of Lucas. And I couldn't do that to her or do that to Lucas because if they came at her the wrong way, she would never have to give it up. Never have, They could arrest her and they could lock her up for it, but they would not be able to. Lucas was my main concern. That's all I was there for. It wasn't what happened, how it happened. It was Lucas. So she wanted to wait till the next day. She had a lot to think about and digest is her exact words. So you actually told her that they were going to come for her with a death warrant. They would after seven months. I I use other things in other cases from other states to make a complete case. I'll study Kansas's laws, and basically that way if anybody ever, you know, thinks I'm lying, I can look it up right there in front of them and show them on Google, hey, after seven months, they can issue a death certificate. Okay, how did you finally get her, David Marshburn, to take you to Lucas's body? Well, <clears throat> the the thing about it is there, there's a homeless guy involved in this. And the homeless guy was sort of like something after she got rid of Lucas to throw law enforcement off saying it was a homeless guy. And she invited him into her home and spent the night in her home. And she, while Jonathan was there, I asked Jonathan to leave and go get in the truck so I could talk to her alone. And at that time, 
I told her, was there drugs involved? And she first said no, and I said, look, Emily, if they do a hair follicle test on you and you did meth, I promise you, you're, you're going to be in even worse trouble. And she admitted she did meth. Now, keep in mind, her little girl, Lucas, was in the house. Let me ask a question to private investigator Vincent Hill. When you add in drugs to a scenario, that changes everything. Because it's like Alice in Wonderland. Everything you know is upside down. People don't think or act the same way. I mean, think about it. Who is going to go when you have children? Bring a homeless guy into your home to spend the night. I mean, I go work at a homeless center, I give money, I try to help, but I'm not going to bring anybody I don't know into the home where my twins are, period. Yeah, Nancy. So everything is topsy-turvy once drugs are in the scenario, in the equation, Vincent. Yeah, absolutely, especially when you're dealing with the narcotic like methamphetamine, which, you know, is very addictive and very uh mind altering and you know it, it actually makes me wonder if she didn't bring this guy to the home to set him up later you know his dna would have been all over the house his fingerprints probably all over the house he was unsuspecting of this but she could have came back and said well he did it he's the one that took lucas and that's a really good thought do you think that could be true david marshburn that she picks up some homeless guy brings him home to spend the night in her home so she could blame him that's exactly what she did and wow you know it gets better than that because have they found the homeless guy get this they questioned him he never saw lucas in the house but just weeks later he commits suicide holy moly nancy police have ruled that the death of the homeless man was a hit and run is that not a twist of in itself but emily never knew and when she, when she got out, she still did not know. So that played in my favor for her not to know. So she was planning to blame him. Man, this could not have more twists. Guys, with me, the private investigator, David Marshburn, who actually locates little Lucas Hernandez's body. In our next episode... You'll ride along with private investigator David Marshburn as Lucas's stepmom, Emily Glass, leads him to where she hid the child's body. I did Lucas so wrong. I did him wrong. That's in the next Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. God, honest truth. Did you know about a recent law that could leave your personal data exposed online for anybody to find? If you've turned on the news lately, you know the Internet has created a dangerous new world. Data breaches expose private information. There's a new cybersecurity threat every other day. And criminals can sell the identity of you and your family on the dark web. It's time you take the power back by using a new website called Truthfinder. Truthfinder allows you to find out exactly what information exists about you online. Have you gotten a speeding ticket, received a lien from the IRS, forgotten about an embarrassing social media profile? Truthfinder searches through millions of public records, puts all that data together in one easy-to-read report. 
Members get unlimited searches, so you can also look up those close to you and make sure they're not hiding something from their past. You also get free dark web monitoring to make TruthFinder the ultimate tool in identity protection. If your personal info appears for sale on the dark web, you'll be the first to know. Visit truthfinder.com slash nancy. Enter your own name. Get started. You must understand that police are bound by certain rules of procedure. Private citizens do not fall under those rules. And, um, you know, it's a different different type of world for them in what they may do and what they may choose to do from what police are bound by. It's simple rules of procedure, rules of police procedure, that um, police are bound by very strict rules. We, you see it every day at the courthouse. Police can do s- certain things. Um, non-police, non-people that aren't in a police role, law enforcement role, or, or uh, government uh, agents, uh, we're required by certain things. And those that aren't, don't fall into those guidelines. And joining me right now, the man, the private investigator, who actually discovered little Lucas's body, led there somehow, like a snake charmer, he gets the stepmother, Emily Glass, to lead him to Lucas's remains. Also with me, Crime Online reporter Lee Egan, Vincent Hill, private investigator, Ashley Wilcott, juvenile judge and founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com, Kim Martin with Missing Pieces Network, who's been on the case from the beginning. Guys, I know we all have questions for David Marshburn. All right. I have been wanted to talk to him since I found out he existed. David Marshburn, we're going to circle back to Emily Glass and how you carried her to the location and what she was saying in the car. I want to hear every single detail. But right now, I want to hear about the discovery of little Lucas. I, I, I feel like we have been looking for him and thinking about him and praying for him for so long. Well, we couldn't exactly get to the exact location. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you go from winter to summer, things change. The, the landscape is different. So it took us about four hours or so to ride around down each dirt path. And, you know, for her to say, she gave us little clues here and there. And a lot of times people that have done a crime like this, they remember. They just don't want to tell you exactly because it even makes them feel even worse. So I wound up, I, I'm getting ticked off at the point. So basically I said, we're going to start every bridge right here and then go down the line. I pull up, I get out. The very first bridge I get to, I'd lay down on the ground and I peek my head underneath. And there I see the top of Lucas's head. And then I see all these branches all on top. And I'm like, I hope this is what I think it is. So it'll be over. I get up and I go down to the bridge and already the crime, the the, the crime seems washed away. There's nothing there except for him and what's near him on top of him and all. So I didn't touch anything like that, but I went down and I was within a foot from him, and I was looking to make sure it was what I thought it was. And sure enough, it was him. So let me understand. It's Lucas's body, the five-year-old little boy's body, was under a bridge? It is. It's, um, 
it's underneath a bridge, just laying there exactly the way she described she put him. Was he clothed? There, there was there was clothes on him. What went through your mind when you saw his remains there? Well, this case, since it was only, you know, 11 hours into it, I didn't have much time into it. So my heart wasn't attached to the family and Lucas like it normally is in a case that lasts a year or two. I've I've come up on several bodies in, in the past six years I've been doing this. You know, we have discovered five bodies. But we've done, we've closed several cases, but some of them were without it. And by it only being a, 11, 11 hours into it, and there was not a lot there for me to, it wasn't, it was badly decomposed. So basically, it, it was a feeling of relief that we could do it this quickly for the daddy. I was thinking more about the child and the daddy and the great grandmother and everyone but Emily. I could give two sh- oh, excuse me, about Emily. Well, was she with you at the moment you saw his body? She stayed in the car. And then when I finally realized it was him, I was calling law enforcement to let them know where I'm at. And then I got my partner, Marsha Ward, and told her, how about going down there to see if you see what I see? It might be him, but I don't know. I- I'm playing it off so Emily... Basically, I'm watching what she's doing. Um, I don't have what she did to him, so at least what I would get is her emotion. So if I had to testify, I could tell them what I saw and, and what went on. So Marsha goes down there, comes back up. She agrees. Then Emily says, uh, you know, I don't think this is it. That's, that's not him. And finally, I told her, I said, Emily, it's him. All right? Nothing. No cry. No nothing. And then a few seconds later, she has a tissue up to her face. I bought a whole box of tissues, okay? She pulled one tissue out of the whole big box, and that's all she used the whole time we were there. One tissue. Wow. And that was just to get her nose clean, not to wipe away those tears, because there was none. When you came and told her that you found him as she waited in the car, what did she say? She made the statement, and, and of course I recorded it. She made the statement, I did Lucas so wrong. And that was it. Every one of those statements are going to be so significant at trial with me. Crime Online investigative reporter Lee Egan. Lee, what's your question for David? David, how long did it take you? You said you spoke to him for hours and he had to sleep on it. Um, how long was it afterwards that she was up and ready and, and willing to take you to find Lucas? And was it right away or did you have to kind of convince convince her again? I texted her around 1130 and told her, hey, are you up or are you, are you ready? 
because we were chomping at the bits. We had been out till four in the morning that morning with one of the local search groups to get an idea of the layout of the land out there. So that way, when she when we were riding her around, we didn't know she was going to come out and tell us. Uh, the next day, we thought it might be a little more coaching. So we were going to ride around in the areas where valuable information came in uh, about her phone information. So we were going to ride around in that same area to see what her body language was and see if she would be looking. So that way, if she didn't tell us, we could actually find him based off of that. So I had a backup plan of a backup plan. Okay, hold on. Let me let me ask something right there. David Marshburn is with us, the private investigator, who actually somehow convinces little Lucas's stepmother to go out looking for the child. They find little Lucas's dead body washed away, kind of, under a bridge. David Marshburn. David, you were just describing how you were going to use her phone records against her in the sense that you were saying let's go drive around where your phone was what did you know of her phone records when you took her out driving around i knew that she had gone down norwood and within 58 minutes she went down norwood and then in norwood turns from pavement to gravel and then she came back on oliver which comes from gravel to pave did a whole big circle and in 58 minutes within two minutes two minutes of that her car sat still so that's that's where i'm thinking okay that's where she's dropping off lucas so if that's the case she didn't bury him he's on top of the ground but he's hidden and as i got talking to her once she admitted because when when we stopped at her house that morning, the next morning. She got in the car, and when I got to the convenience store, which is only two minutes from the house, that's when she said, she actually came out of her mouth and said, I went in his room, and he was dead. And at that point in time, you know, I'm just like, wow, I didn't expect it to pop out that quickly. So I knew I had her by everything. I knew it didn't matter. We're not stopping. This is it. She's going to give it give it up. But when we get out there, it just takes hours and hours of riding and riding. Matter of fact, we, we went right over Lucas probably 30 times. Whoa. So you go over, you know, what do you mean go over Lucas? By a bridge or what? Over by, what do you mean? By the bridge. We had, at first we had Emily... We figured, you know, Emily was describing she she took him and, and put him under a bridge. And I'm like, is it north-south, like going down Norwood or coming back down Oliver? And I Wait said, a minute, let me understand something. So, David Marshburn, right at this point, you're acting like you're going along with her story that she went in his room and he was just dead. So she goes and throws his body under a bridge. So to get her to tell you where he was, you're like, oh, okay. Is that how you played it? Is that how you acted? You didn't go, that didn't happen. Oh, no, you no, said, no, 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 no. I, I play it all the way. I play everything to the way of uh, basically 
I told her that what I felt like she was guilty of was concealing a death. And concealing a death in Kansas is 18 months probation. And, you know, I, I gave her an out is what I did. You know, I told you the three steps I do. Well, basically in those three steps, I gave her an out. And it was an out that was not uh, too good to be true. But it was an out that someone that has committed murder, that has killed this little boy, <clears throat> can believe in her mind you have to you have to read these people you have to get into their psyche and if you don't and you read them wrong you're done so you go over his body 30 times back and forth and back and forth at least looking and she what had described a road that she had gone down and y'all were looking for that you know when you kept going over that bridge she knew he was down there right well, no. I mean, she's she's describing, she's giving us bits and pieces. And basically, we had to take those bits and pieces and put it together like a puzzle and, and try and, there was only like seven roads, short roads, like two miles long, that go east to west. Because I said, did it go north to south or did it go east to west? And she said, in between Norwood or uh, Web, Web Road, and Oliver Road. So that's about a two two mile stretch in between. So there's only seven roads that are in between there that are dirt paths. So we know we had seven roads and we had every bridge on those roads that we were we were gonna have to check. Mm. Mm. So when you see what you believe is the top of his head he's under a bridge do you believe she thought his body would wash away in the water i do but the the greatest thing of it is you know it had a washout pan before it It had one of these diverters so when the water hit hard it wouldn't go through there fast at all and and if she didn't know what it was she wouldn't have put him there because it protected him. And by her putting him out there in the open like she did, <clears throat> the cold air that they had, that bad cold spell they had at that time, kind of mummified him. Kept and preserved, and I believe it's preserved evidence, which is great, because I thought there was going to be no evidence. Guys, we are we are talking about the body of a five-year-old little boy Lucas Hernandez, when you get back in the car and you tell her, Emily Glass, the stepmother, that you see his body, you said there was very little reaction. What did she finally say? What were her words? She made the comment, I did Lucas so wrong. After that, it was about what's going to happen to her. And that right there tells me, you don't give two craps about your stepson you put under this bridge, you abused, and you killed. All you care about is what's going to happen to you. Did she ever want to see the body or go retrieve the body or get him out from under the bridge? No, no. She did get out of the truck. And <clears throat> she got out of the truck, and I said, Look, I don't, I don't need you to go over here and near the side. She said, I'm not. And she hugged me like she wanted consoling. And when she did, my partner took a picture of it. 
and you can see me glaring right at that camera because I'm not sympathetic towards her at all. And she took a picture of us, and she's hugging and trying to cry and can't cry. Had one tissue out of a box of 500 and didn't use but one. I mean, if my child or somebody I loved body was there, I would run to it somehow, get to it. I don't know why, but I would. Just thinking of her using that one tissue in the last hours, a vigil has been held. A vigil with search groups and family members remembering Lucas Hernandez, a beautiful little boy. Thanks to this PI with us, David Marshburn, we now have Lucas's body. Listen. That day when I found out about baby Lucas coming up missing, I went home and I hugged all five of my kids because I can't imagine my life without my children. They're, they are what make me happy. They, I mean, just I hugged them and kissed them and I did not let go. You know, I, I just feel helpless. All these stories I've been hearing for months about him possibly being abused. And they investigated and, and had a forensic interview and all that kind of stuff. And since um, I guess the police didn't think there was enough evidence. Uh, when I first found out he was missing, I um, was suspicious and then uh, worried. Evidence of bruises, evidence of previous bouts with child abuse. What was life like for this five-year-old little boy trapped in the home with Emily Glass's stepmother, the last one to see him alive? We have reports that before Lucas goes missing, she takes her own biological daughter out for a big lunch at Olive Garden, smokes three, quote, bowls of marijuana, and leaves Lucas at home alone, hungry, and staring out the window now that child's body found. You heard the aunt raising concerns that the child had been beaten and abused in the past while the father would be out of town. How much did he know? Did he turn the other way and ignore the abuse on his own child? With me, David Marshburn, the private investigator, who managed to find Lucas Hernandez remains Kim Martin with Missing Pieces Network, Ashley Wilcott, juvenile judge and founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com, Vincent Hill, private investigator and Crime Online investigative reporter Lee Egan, David Marshburn, you said that after you spot the body through trickery and persuasive conversation, you get her to show you where his body is, and it took hours going down this road, that road, until finally you get out and you spot what you think is the top of little Lucas's head. What shape is his body in now? He was badly decomposed uh, when I when when I saw him when I lay down and looked under the bridge. When I saw him, you couldn't tell it was a, a body. It, it was hard, but I know when I saw the top of his head, it looked like the top of his head, but, you know, you have to make sure, so I want to get down and get closer. And, and I know that sounds sick, but you want to make sure you don't miss it. 
But other than that, you couldn't really see a whole lot until you do get down in there. You have to get down in the bottom. And there's still some water down in there. But good thing for that barrier, it, it slows the water down instead of making it, letting it rush through. When you say you thought you saw the top of his head, could you see his hair? I did. I did. So and you couldn't really tell. Was the rest of his body under sand or debris? It, it was all under debris. And, and see, his hair was, was, was bleached white. So it didn't look like dark hair. So it was kind of hard. Why was his hair bleached white? In uh, where he was, the sunlight could get through between the trees straight to the bridge. If anybody cut the grass over there in the pasture, they could have very easily looked over and saw it. When you get down there and go through the water, what there is of it, and you see his body and realize you're right, that's Lucas. What went through your mind? I mean, it, uh, it's kind of a shocking type deal. It, it it's kind of it's kind of like you get in a zone and you're in a tunnel, and and you just you just don't. The only thing you know what to do is call law enforcement, get them there, and basically get her away from us because my partner was starting to feel strong emotions because she has a, a five year old nephew. My emotions were coming, and they came after she was out of my vehicle and out of my sight. I had realized what we had accomplished and done, which it sounds weird because that's what I was supposed to do, but when you actually do it, it's like, wow, you know. It probably felt surreal. When you were climbing back up that side of that, uh, the, I guess you call it a river or a creek, and you see her, and you lock eyes with her, what expression did she have? The same expression she's had the whole time, cold and callous, no no emotion. I mean, it was just like staring at a photocopy of her face as, as in her mugshot. That's, how, that's her demeanor the whole entire time. Kim Martin with Missing Pieces Network. What's your question? David, I've read a lot of speculation, and I know it's, it's been a lot of question, question on everyone's mind. Do you think that was the original place that he was, that she put him, or do you think the body was moved? It, it was the original place. It matches up the timeline. Okay. She never veered off of anything far as the, the little clues she gave. And when you look at his, his, where his body was, the water, his head was, towards where the water comes into the bridge so if there was heavy rains and stuff we know he didn't move because everything was still intact everything was still in a in a uh i say it's uh in a direction just like if i mm -hmm. i go in my mind and i picture did he move or anything and basically the way she described it that's the way his remains were when, when they were there. It, it never moved. Water didn't move in the... David Marshburn, did you ever glean from her or figure out in any way what really happened to Lucas? How was he killed? Oh, I, I know. I know how. I, I've got my own opinion, and, and I will... <clears throat> I'll share that. It's just my opinion. 
But see, she had two other boys with another another man. And I think she resented Lucas because of she couldn't have her own boys. And she resented the fact that the the man she's with now has Lucas. And she resented Lucas's mother. And I think when she got irritated and when she started thinking about it, she just abused him. She took it out on him because of her failures. And that's wrong. I mean, oh, God. Uh, now I start getting passionate. What does the father have to say about all this? He didn't know what to do. He said, man, I don't know if I'm a faint. Oh, my God. Are you sure you found Lucas? I said, we found Lucas. I think you need to come home. And I told law enforcement that I contacted his daddy and told him we found him because that's my job. That's what he hired me to do. That's what he paid the expenses for us to go out there and do it. And I did what I told him I would do. And I felt like it was my responsibility and, and my call to, to him to tell him we found his son. And what was his response? Oh, he broke down. It, it was unbelievable. Uh, and I didn't want to hear that or, or, or have to do that, but it had to be done. And he didn't know. He said, I got to sit down. I just got to work. Um, I don't know if I'm faint. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it was just air between us. And I said, are you going to be okay? Are you going to need somebody? And he said, no, I I, I, I got to talk to my boss, man. I, I, I've got to come back home. And, you know, he's just all over the place. That's about how he was talking. And I can understand that. And I think it hit him like a ton of bricks. I think he knew, as in guessing like I did, I pretty much, for several conversations with him, I prepared him for, it's Emily, it's Emily, it's Emily. And Emily, as conniving as she is, tried to get him to think it was his his uh, ex-wife or Lucas's biological mother. She is very slick and conniving. I'm very curious, does he feel any responsibility at all. I know he was out of town when Lucas was killed, but many people argue that Lucas had been being abused by his living girlfriend for a long time. He'd have bruises. He'd tell people how mean she was to him, but he left her there with him. Well, like I said, she's conniving. And she's made up stories over and over and over again. She probably never did it in front of him. And only the and if he if he would think back, every time you were out of town, Lucas got hurt. It was never when you were around Lucas was injured. And I asked him about that. He said, You know, you're right. He never got injured when he was around. But when he went away, he would be injured. So she had him snowed. You know what? Ashley Wilcott, juvenile judge and founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com. Ashley, I, 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 my head wants to blame the dad for leaving her there with him, and now he's dead. 
But the reality is when you're in a relationship, you don't want to see the bad thing about the other person. You don't want to know. For instance, when guys run around on their wives or vice versa, you'll think up every excuse there is rather than what you are seeing in front of your eyes. With children, you don't want to believe that the person you love would do such a horrible thing. He didn't want to believe it, Ashley. I see it over and over and over again. And here's what frustrates me. And I tell everybody and I'll tell anybody, trust your gut. So even if you're in denial, even if you don't want to believe it, if your gut is there's a problem, there might be a problem, don't leave your children with that person. The other thing I want to add, Nancy, is it's so common and statistically true that often someone who abuses or neglects a child picks a target child. And that's exactly what this mother did in this case. And the PIs already talked about it and talked about perhaps why, but this was her target child that she chose to target, to abuse, to beat, to kill. Kim Martin, Missing Pieces Network, who has been looking for Lucas since the very beginning, Kim Martin, what are your questions and thoughts? You know, we all knew this was going to happen. We all knew he was going to be found. I guess it just, you know, you you live this day in, day out for three months, and it's just odd to have it. I don't know. I can't explain the emotions. Um, David, I don't know if you can answer this. Don't want to jeopardize the investigation, but do you think she had any help moving the body? No. It was... I mean, I did find that out. <clears throat> I asked her, and no, she she didn't. Uh, I'm I'm pretty positive, real positive, she did not have any help. Lee Egan, Crime Online investigative reporter. What's your question, Lee? David, this is my question. Um, when we started reporting this case, what we heard from the beginning from Emily was that she took a nap at 3 p.m. on February 17th. When she woke up a few hours later, Lucas was gone. Now, is she now saying that when she woke up the morning of February 17th, that he was already dead? That that That's what she told us. And the records of her phone show in broad daylight, that's when she took him. And, you know, when I'm asking her questions and I, I talk about, you know, how was Lucas and stuff, when she tells me the things she tells me, that means she did this sometime that day. Like, that's when he did pass, and that's when she did take him out. So she took him out in broad daylight and got rid of him. Like, she was just taking out the trash. With me is the man who somehow convinced stepmother Emily Glass to divulge the location of five-year-old Lucas's remains. David Marshburn, who I am sure will be a witness at trial. David, do you expect this to be a death penalty case? What do you think will happen now? Well, it's hard to say because I have been told by a uh, someone in the media, how did I feel about Kansas's law on, you know, uh, parents or, or, or killing a child in, in the state of Kansas. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I, had a, I don't know the laws around there, and I don't know what the penalties. And they told me, and I don't know if this is true. I mean, you just hear things. But when, when she told me this, I should have looked it up and, and studied it. But it sounds too hard to believe. She said only seven years. 
is what your max is for killing a child. Wow. Who said that? Someone in the media that called me and wanted to do an interview. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing, David Marshburn. If it's a voluntary manslaughter or involuntary, then maybe she might parole out on that. But if it's murder one, which I think it will be based on the record of child abuse, I mean, when you don't know a horse, look at his track record. This was no accident. How he died would be my my argument to a jury. And if the child had died by accident, then why not call 911 and have them come and try to save him or at least give him a, de- a, the, a, a regular burial? So everything to me points to an intentional murder. Premeditation only takes a moment, a moment. And the time it takes you to raise the gun and pull the trigger, that's enough time for premeditation. If she beat this child till he died or killed him in some other manner, then that's murder. And I'm guessing that they're waiting to to get all the toxicology and all the autopsy reports back so maybe they can determine a cause of death on the child. You know, if if it's going to be a a first-degree murder, her best chance, and I and I, I feel when the autopsy comes back, the best thing for her to do is plea and just live out the rest of her life behind them bars. That's what she needs to do because if she goes in front of a jury, you're dealing with a kid, and I know it only takes one juror to say, you know, no for the death penalty, but I don't see how 12 jurors with this case the way it is and what I do know about the case how they will not say death penalty. After she realizes you find the body, you've got Lucas's, five-year-old Lucas's body, did she ever give any explanation as to how he died? Her explanation is she just found him that way. Child, you just don't find a child that way. Mm-mm. No, David, you're and right. And by her statement that she gave to me in his condition, um, no. That does not even match. See, when people don't know a lot about how a human body does when it is deceased, she already screwed up there. Was he, David Marshburn, was he totally skeletonized or was there any soft tissue left? I say there's a lot there. Uh, Enough that it, uh, I don't want to sound gruesome. You know what, I hate to even, I hate to even talk about the tissue remains of this child. Alan Duke, what is the tip line in case anyone saw something that day that may help put the pieces of this puzzle together? What's the tip line, Alan? Nancy, Wichita police say that anyone with information can call their detectives at 316-268-4407 or Crime Stoppers at 316-267-2111. Guys, with me is David Marshburn, the private eye who managed to find... Lucas Hernandez's remains after months of searching, and we wait as justice unfolds. Happy birthday, dear Lucas. Happy birthday to you. Blow out your candle. Good job, bud. You're five years old. Tomorrow. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Since we posted this episode Wednesday, there was another major announcement in the Lucas Hernandez case. 
after Wichita detectives met with prosecutors Wednesday afternoon, Sedgwick County, Kansas District Attorney Mark Bennett announced there would be no charges against Emily Glass until they see the full results of the autopsy and follow up on new investigative leads. In fact, the obstruction charge filed against Glass hours after she led Marshburn to Lucas's body has now been dropped and she was released from jail. In our next episode, you'll ride along with private investigator David Marshburn as Lucas's stepmom, Emily Glass, leads him to where she hid the child's body. I did Lucas so wrong, I did him wrong. That's in the next Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Did you know a recent law can leave your personal data exposed online for anybody to find? If you've turned on the news lately, you know the Internet has created a dangerous new world. It's time you take back the power by using a new website called Truthfinder. Have you been issued a speeding ticket? Received a lien from the IRS? Did you forget about an embarrassing social media profile? That info may already be online. Truthfinder can help you find it. Truthfinder searches millions of public records, assembling the data together in one report. Members get unlimited searches, so you can also look up those close to you and make sure they're not hiding something. Visit truthfinder.com nancy. Enter your own name. Get started. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner.